Good morning. Good morning. Good morning and happy Easter to you. I, uh, I'm thrilled we get to have the kids with us this morning. I actually have a question for the kids, hoping maybe you can help me. Does, can any of you kids tell me what a deliverer is? Any of the kids, just raise your hand if you know. What's a deliverer? Is that uh, any kids? Yes? Is that the guy who shows up at your door with a pizza? What, go ahead, Paul. What's a deliverer? What's that? Somebody that gives you something? That would be the guy with the pizza. That's one way to think of a deliverer. What, what else could a deliverer be? Do you know, Jonah? What? We, we seem to have a pizza theme with the answers. Other... What, what else could a deliverer be? I hear you guys talked about this last week. A deliverer or a savior or a rescuer. What kind of deliverer is that? That kind of deliverer that sets you free. The kind of deliverer that gets you out of a jam. The kind of deliverer that saves you out of a situation where you are helpless. And that's what Paul is talking about in our passage this morning. That's what Isaiah was talking about in the passage that Paul is quoting. That's who Jesus is. Paul says in Romans chapter 11, I don't want you to be ignorant of this mystery, my brothers and sisters, so that you may not be conceited. Israel has experienced a hardening in part until the full number of the Gentiles has come in. And this is how all Israel will be saved, as it is written. The Deliverer will come from Zion. He will turn godlessness away from Jacob. And this is my covenant with them, when I take away their sins. Here Paul is quoting from a prophecy that Isaiah gave. That's back in chapter 59 of Isaiah. We'll see at the beginning, Isaiah says, Surely the arm of Yahweh is not too short to save, nor his ear too dull to hear. God's not the problem. But your iniquities have separated you from your God. Your sins have hidden his face from you so that he will not hear. For your hands are stained with blood, your fingers with guilt, your lips have spoken lies And your tongue mutters wicked things. Nobody calls for justice. No one pleads his case with integrity. They rely on empty arguments and speak lies. They conceive trouble and give birth to evil. So here Isaiah is talking about a people who have a problem. They have a situation that they need to be rescued out of. And it's a problem of their own making. They're the ones who have put themselves in the situation. And so he goes on to say, their feet rush into sin. They're swift to shed innocent blood. Their thoughts are evil thoughts. Ruin and destruction mark their ways. The way of peace they do not know. There's no justice in their paths because they've turned them into crooked roads. No one who walks in them will know peace. Is that the kind of situation we'd want to be in? Not at all. 
the justice, because of this, justice is far from us and righteousness doesn't reach us. We look for light, but all is darkness. For brightness, but we walk in deep shadows. Like blind people, we grope along the wall, feeling our way like men without eyes. At midday, we stumble as if it were twilight. Among the strong, we're like the dead. See, Isaiah is painting a picture of what it means to be separated from God, what it means to put yourself in this position where you do not have the illuminating light that you need to get around by. Our offenses are many in your sight, he says. And our sins testify against us. Our offenses are ever with us. And we acknowledge our iniquities, rebellion and treachery against Yahweh, turning our backs on God, fomenting oppression and revolt, uttering lies our hearts have conceived. And so because of this, justice is driven back and righteousness stands at a distance. Truth has stumbled in the streets. Honesty cannot enter. Truth is nowhere to be found. Whoever shuns evil becomes a prey. Awful situation to be in. And God is not at all pleased by this. He looked. Isaiah says, Yahweh looked and he was displeased that there was no justice He saw that there was no one. He was appalled that there was no one to intervene. So what did he do? So his own arm worked salvation for him. And his own righteousness sustained him. He put on righteousness as his breastplate, the helmet of salvation on his head. He put on the garments of vengeance, wrapped himself in zeal as in a cloak. According to what they've done, so will he repay wrath to his enemies and retribution to his foes. He will repay the islands their due. From the west, men will fear the name of Yahweh. And from the rising of the sun, they will revere his glory. For he will come like a pent-up flood that the breath of Yahweh drives along. The Redeemer will come to Zion, to those in Jacob who repent of their sins, declares Yahweh. And as for me, this is my covenant with them, says Yahweh. My spirit who is on you and my words that I put in your mouth will not depart from your mouth or from the mouths of your children or from the mouths of their descendants from this time on and forever, says Yahweh. This is a scene that Isaiah is painting of God rising up and defeating his enemies. Who are these enemies? Well, he talks about the islands. God doesn't have anything against islands in particular. What we're dealing with here is the nations to the west of where God's people were, from a distant place who had come and who were oppressing them. And God is being portrayed as somebody who is going to come and rescue his people out of the jam that they're in. The Redeemer will come to Zion, to the land of God's people. Here's the interesting thing. Isaiah says the Redeemer will come to Zion. But if you flip back to Romans, what does Paul say? 
the deliverer will come from Zion. See, here, what Paul's giving us is something that is congruent with what Isaiah described, a scene of God rescuing his people from those who are oppressing them, rescuing his people out of the jam they've gotten themselves into. As we've read in Romans uh, over the last three years, we've seen God has rescued a people who have no way of rescuing themselves. Paul makes it clear, all of us, Jew and Gentile alike, are bound up, imprisoned under the power of sin. And so only Jesus' atoning death can rescue us from that. So yes, you have the deliverer coming to Zion in the sense of God's deliverer, God's redeemer, rescuing his people from where they are, but what you also have here is not just the deliverer coming to Zion to rescue his people who are there. You have the deliverer coming from Zion to rescue everybody else as well. Because this bigger story that Paul has been telling, especially in chapters 9 to 11 of Romans that we're coming to the end of now. This story is one of God bringing his salvation to the whole world. And in a sense, redefining and reconstituting his people as his agents of reconciliation to the whole world. So the Deliverer came to Zion. Jesus came to the land. But then on Easter Sunday, he came literally out of the land of Zion when he came out of the tomb. And so in dwelling his people, is the deliverer who comes from Zion out to the whole world to turn godlessness away from his people. This is his covenant with us when he takes away our sin. That's what we celebrate today at Easter, and that's what we celebrate when we take communion as we're about to do. That we who share the body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ, share not only in the atoning death that he died, but we share in his resurrection life. And it's a life not just for living for our own sake. It's not just that God has redeemed us so that we can be reconciled to him. That would be enough. But he has redeemed us. He has rescued us so that we in turn can be the people that he works through to rescue others, to be part of his mission of cosmic reconciliation. That's good news. So will you stand with me as we prepare to take communion? We'll recite the Nicene Creed as we always do.
And then after that, I'll invite you to come forward to uh, take the elements from uh, Kevin and me and then bring them back to your seat. We will partake of them together. Now, will you recite with me that we believe in one God, the Father, the Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, of all that is seen and unseen. We believe in one Lord, Jesus Christ, the only Son of God, eternally begotten of the Father, God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten not made, of one being with the Father. Through him all things were made, for us and for our salvation. He came down from heaven. By the power of the Holy Spirit, he became incarnate from the Virgin Mary and was made man. For our sake, he was crucified under Pontius Pilate. He suffered death and was buried. On the third day, he rose again in accordance with the scriptures. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son. With the Father and the Son, he is worshipped and glorified. He has spoken through the prophets. We believe in one holy, Catholic, and apostolic church. We acknowledge one baptism for the forgiveness of sins. We look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen.